Welcome to Best Picture This, where it is always Oscar season. I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show, we dissect every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century to learn what they can teach us about the movies and decide whether we would keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal. In 1999, the nominees for Best Picture were The Insider, The Sixth Sense, The Cider House Rules, American Beauty, which was the year's winner, and this week's movie, The Green Mile, directed by Frank Darabont. think if a man sincerely repents on what he'd done wrong, that he might get to go back to the time that was happiest for him and live there forever. That'd be what heaven's like. I just about believe that very thing. John Coffey, you have been condemned to die in the electric chair by a jury of your peers, sentence imposed by a judge in good standing in this state. Questions. Do you leave the light on after bedtime? I know violent men. I deal with them day in and day out. There doesn't seem to be any real violence in him. Until he kills a couple of little girls. John Coffey is a murderer. I don't think he did it at all. Take my hand, both. You see for yourself. You're talking about a miracle. I do not see God putting a gift like that in the hands of a man who would kill a child. I dreamed of you. We found each other in the dark. Like he dropped out of the sky. Miracles are funny things. You never know when they're going to happen. when they happen in a place like this, that's the most unbelievable miracle of all. This is the story of a miracle that happened here where I work, on the Green Mile. The Green Mile as workplace drama? Is that how you categorize it, Mike? I guess it is. I mean, I never really thought of it that way, but it makes sense. It's where I work. Coming up in the show, we'll give out our Farley Awards for Best Directing, Writing, and Acting Moments. We will offer our golden takes on this movie, and then we'll finish up with trivia. But first, Mike, would you keep this movie or kick it from the year's top five? I'm kicking it, Brian. I've got to kick it. Um, it's three You're hours too hard long. on this movie, Mike. I don't think so. I, I don't it. have a, an aversion to long movies, but this one's long in a way that doesn't feel earned. You don't have an aversion to long movies? No, I like a lot of long movies. I think movies. you do. I mean, Titanic, that's great. <laughs> it's super long. No, but this is the first hour is mouse hijinks, Tom Hanks dealing with a urinary tract infection. The bookends are unnecessary. The amount of time that we have in this movie, I should care more about the characters than I, agree, I don't. I agree. I agree the bookends are a little bit notebookish and a little bit um boring uh, yeah yeah a little boring yeah a little bit forced but um i will say i'll keep this movie um 1999 is a very crowded year so i reserve the right to change my mind but i'm gonna say i'm gonna keep the movie i do like the movie um i the problem that i have with it is that it kind of has a hard time making up its mind between being like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest, mental health problems, you know, issue. And then also 
being a funny movie about circus mice. But <laughs> the problem is, th- is this just being too hard on a movie that is fun? Because it is fun. You got, I mean, the mouse hijinks are fun. I don't know, man. Come on. Is it fun? It was ranked number 28 on IMDb. For funnest movies of all time? No, just for <laughs> best movies of all time. Shawshank was number one, which I don't agree with either. Kind of, of I don't agree with either. But, um, you know, what we talked, we talked in the Sixth Sense episode just shortly ago that um, we're talking about high art and low art and like, is it, is it, do they not get enough Oscar love because it's too fun? And so why, is this too fun? I think that this movie is, are you is, too highbrow for the green mile, I Mike? think that this movie is trying to be high art. <laughs> I think that that's why it's so long. I think it's trying to have an epic scale. It's trying to get us to think about mortality and duty. And uh, no, I, I just, I don't think that it really succeeds in any of those things. I think that it brings up death and it brings up duty a lot, but I didn't leave the screening thinking, I have to really re reassess was, my, my my that, thoughts on that. That is true. Ideas. I did not feel this. I did not feel that way either. It was more about a miracle at work that I think it was. But the the funny thing is, you are not funny, but it's pretty hard to do a fun, lighthearted, not lighthearted. I mean, it's a serious movie too. There's you it's know, serious. There's botched executions and everything, but it's hard to do a miracle feel good on death row. Um, but it's I also th- trying to make social statements about prisoners and are they mentally ill? Are they evil? Yeah, see, it's got a very firm stance on that. I'm I'm not so convinced it has a firm stance on that. That's one of the reasons why I think in the end, okay, I think that it doesn't really work as a social movie, but does it work on its own terms as a, I'm going to entertain you and tell you about a, a, help you care about this miracle worker on death row. I think that it does succeed in doing that. So if it was 45 I'll, I'll minutes a, shorter, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think I might agree. I, I might say, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was okay. I had an okay time, Too but, long. but this amount of time invested, uh, I have to leave with something of substance and I, I didn't see it here. Yeah. All right. So let's go into our Farley awards. Uh, before we do that, let's talk about what else it was nominated for. It's nominated for best picture. Nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Michael Clark Duncan, who plays John Coffey. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Frank Darabont, which was a tough task because it was on like 600 pages worth of novel by Stephen King. Yeah. And it was nominated for Best Sound. Maybe that was for all the light bulbs blowing up. I don't know. <laughs> the light bulbs, the lightning strikes. <laughs> Some keys jangling. A lot jangling. of dramatic lighting, yeah. All right. So Best Directing Moment. Directing, Acting, and Writing Moments. You want to start out on best directing moment? For me, the best directing moment was the dry sponge execution. Mm. Now, I don't love everything about the scene. You just mentioned the light bulb smashing. I mentioned the lightning. And there's a, a lot of that. Yeah, a few too many light bulbs. There's a lot of that in this. There's a lot of John Coffey screaming. Um, <laughs> it, he's, he's obviously trying to wring a lot of emotion out of this Indeed. scene. But there are certain touches that I think really, really work. And... It, Darabont is sure to make us take note of the faces of the people who are coming into this crowd to to watch the execution. Mm -hmm. And we see the anger, we see the bitterness and, and we get it. You know, these people are victims. Uh, The the person who's getting executed presumably killed, you know, their friend or their family member. So they sort of want, presumably, allegedly, of course they didn't in this movie. No, no, everything's an accident here. (laughs) Um, So they want revenge, you know, but when that switch flips and this execution starts going wrong, it starts getting dragged out, there's smoke, you could see their faces change. And and sort of the violence of that moment 
it makes the whole thing too real for them. You know, they're not able to kind of convince themselves, convince themselves that there's civility in this act anymore. And I think that that reversal is something that Darabont does a few times in the movie, but he does it the best here. Playing with those expectations of what, you know, what you're willing to, to put up with. And um, it, it kind of goes along with my own best directing moment, which is kind of like playing with your, twisting your expectations of who you're supposed to sympathize with. You have uh, Percy, um, who's played by Doug Hutchison. He's this like horrible, horrible <laughs> prison in every guard. Way. Yeah, irredeemable. He's, he's so irritating, and he's just mean spirited. And it, my favorite directing moment was when he is at the very beginning when he's leading John Coffee in, and he keeps shouting "Dead man walking," and he keeps saying it over and over again. And we immediately dislike the guy. Yeah, and we immediately think that this. You know, gigantic guy who we never, we haven't even seen his face, John Coffey. You know, he gets off the truck and it like bounces. You yeah, know, it's a good moment. Um, a lot of little special effects like that. But our our sympathies are with the killer, and we hate the prison guard. And that's supposed to be the opposite. So I think that is pretty powerful. That it, it happens so immediately, and it kind of sets up the whole movie and says, "This is what we're going to be messing around with." Um, this in in the next three hours <laughs> <laughs> buckle in all right what's your best acting moment for your farley award that's harry dean stanton with the oh, execution yeah. dress rehearsal i love this guy it's the funniest moment <laughs> of the movie if you think that the movie's funny which, which you did on this scene come this, on this scene i laughed it's out okay. loud so they're going through all the motions of the execution that they're going to carry out the following day and harry dean stanton is just not taking it seriously you know i get on my knees i pray to god oh god i'm sorry so sorry <laughs> still praying still praying and <laughs> it really made uh, me laugh. But most importantly, I think that that him making me laugh gives Darabont the opportunity to, again, undercut that levity. You know, he says, and I think Tom Hanks in the scene actually chastises the guards, stop right? Stop joking around. Yeah, about stop this, joking yeah. around. You know, this this is a serious thing. Tomorrow, a man will die. We will be the ones pulling that switch to execute him. And um, criminal or not, you know, that's a that's a solemn duty. And yeah. I, I think it's sort of thanks to his performance that I felt that way. I like how, um, yeah, I, I, I like that tension. I think that's what makes it good. So you keep saying it's there and you say it's a bad movie. My best acting moment <laughs> is Michael Jeter playing Delacroix. He's another guy on mm. death row. Yeah. Um, when Percy sees that um, Michael Jeter's character loves the mouse, he, Michael Jeter just delivers this pure look of sadness on his face. And you know, like, it's so sad, like how much this mouse must mean to him. And again, it, the genuine, you just believe his emotions. And that's what I think makes it a great acting moment. And then he later says, when he's about to be killed, he says to the guards who are his only friends, his only people who care about him in the world. Except, I, except Mr. Jingles. Yes, except the mouse. He says to these guys, Tom Hanks included, I wish I could have met you guys someplace else, which is yeah. another heartbreaking moment and a great line. That is a great line. Um, later on, uh, and, and M Michael Jeter is like this, I, I thought of him as Mr. Noodle on Elmo's world the whole time because that's where I've seen him the most. And um, so he, he, he provides this great like, you know, Mr. Noodle on death row. It's kind of another example of how it's kind of clashing those expectations. Best writing moment. 
Mr. Jingles brought back to life the rise of Mr. Jingles. <laughs> so I, in, in here, I'll give a little if bit of credit. If you love this, I, then why don't you love the movie? I didn't say I love it. You I said, said it's, it's the, the best. best writing movie. <laughs> I'm going to give a little credit to the first third of the movie here. So I love <laughs> world building. I love when a director lets us spend time with characters and not just in very plot important moments, you know, and Darabont spends an hour on that, you know, giving us the routine and the mouse hijinks. So all of that, we settle into it so well that when we get the first taste of this magical realism where John Coffey brings a mouse back to life and then he opens his mouth and sort of coughs out the ashes. I was Coffee? Watching the, Is that why it's called coffee? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I was watching the movie with my wife and in this moment, she's like, what? She's like, this <laughs> was, movie's crazy. I thought it was interesting how, how late the magical realism comes in. Yeah. It seems pretty late. Yeah. There's a lot. Which I don't think is a strength of the movie. But. No. But I think in this moment, it is a strength because there was so much patience given to that first third that we really settle into it and we think that this is all that there is. Mm -hmm. So then when this moment happens, it jars us out of that and all of a sudden, you know the movie changes the expectations have shifted and i think that's a strong thing my best writing moment was when tom hanks you know later on they're they're contemplating you know he's gonna have to pull the switch on john coffee who is clearly you know he believes is not uh, not guilty and he tells his wife this is the first time i've ever felt real danger of hell and i thought that was a pretty powerful line there's lines hinted at it before the kind of um it, it makes you question like what's what what is life after death and you know that tom hanks if anybody you know in the world working on death row you probably are thinking about that somewhat and um it kind of there there's the john coffee as a jesus christ symbol you know jc i didn't really think of that the first time i was oh, thinking yeah, of it but yeah. it's kind of an obvious one that a lot it of is. there's a lot of novels and, and movies that do that make a jc initials um, and he clearly is like a Jesus kind of a character. Oh yeah. Um, but but I don't think that it hammers you too hard with that. And I think that this line was really believable, where Tom Hanks says that to his wife. Golden takes. Golden takes. Let's get into it. My golden take mm -hmm. is I think the Green Mile pretty obviously is overshadowed by Frank Darabont's other Stephen King adapted prison mm -hmm. set period melodrama the shawshank redemption shawshank so the greatest movie of all time <laughs> according, according to, to imdb, IMDb yes. users but i think that it's important that it's overshadowed because it says something about the power of these awards and um why we should care about them so shawshank's the movie that everybody knows right but it did much worse at the box office it actually lost money so it was made for 25 million and it grossed only 16 million on its initial run that's amazing lost money the number one film in history lost money on its initial run <laughs> but here's the thing after being nominated for seven oscars later that year it was re-released and that along with international made the box office rise up to 58 million dollars and it was one of the most rented movies of the year after blockbuster that. yeah blockbuster it was 320,000 copies so this is why we're doing the podcast right this is why yep. the oscars are important not because the academy is the definitive authority on what movies are good or the best or whatever but because if they give a movie the gold seal that movie gets seen and that movie makes money and that director gets better opportunities and more opportunities in the future so we should probably be trying to make sure that those opportunities and those eyeballs are going to the right movies so, and the right directors. So basically this podcast is designed to help. We are fixing the problem, we are. Brian. We're yeah. fixing it right now. We're kind of a two-man academy, I think. <laughs> 
My golden take. That's a very good point, and I love the idea of figuring out like what does an Oscar nomination mean, especially a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. Uh, my golden take is um, partly about whether this movie is an escapist movie. Hmm. Okay. It's sort of a social movie. I mean, it is. It's about a big social issue, the death penalty. Yeah. But um, you have this scene where what is John Coffey's dying wish? To watch a movie. Okay. Right? He, he a get, fantasy escape. I, yeah, I see where you're going. They, they put him in front of Top Hat um, the from 1935-ish. I'm not sure. But, but the... That was not in the movie. It was not in the novel. Hmm. Stephen King's novel was based in 1932, which was before Top Hat came out. And the writer-director, Frank Darabont, changed the setting of the movie to 1935 so it could be in there. So this movie became an escape for John Coffey and basically for us. Movies are magical. So it, it, there's, there's some problems with this movie being escapist because it does not confront the death penalty in a way that you maybe think it kind of should. It doesn't confront mental illness in a way that it kind of should. You know, Percy eventually kills Sam Rockwell's character. Basically, you're supposed to be seeing this as like the true justice yeah. approved by the JC character. Yep. And then where does Percy end up? Not on death row, but in a mental institution. And that is kind of like the biggest problem that I had with the movie in the end. I think ultimately I still did like the movie quite a bit and I, I was more willing to let it be an escapist movie. But it goes back to the original question. Is this high art? Is it low art supposed to only entertain? Is it doing both? I think it does some of both and I give it a, I, I think I, give it it a I think it tries to do some of both yeah. for sure. But, you know, like you were saying, John Coffey talks about the ugliness in the world a lot. But the movie doesn't even try to sort of... Um, give us a, an explanation ugliness. of how to yeah. address that. You know, instead, John Coffey absolves Tom Hanks of the biggest decision of the film. Mm -hmm. And so he's basically saying, don't make that decision. Don't worry yeah, about he says, the hard questions. It's okay questions. if you kill me. It's yeah. okay if you go on death row. I'm tired. I want to die. Yeah, he makes, so. he, he comforts them in the moment, yeah. um, which really, really simplifies things. And that might have been when, I mean, it's late in the movie, but that might have been my tipping point. Anyway, before that, you episode. were like, keep it, keep it, keep <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was saying keep, keep, keep until trivia. the last 10 minutes. Let's do a few things of trivia. This is not totally related to this movie, but Doug Hutchison, um, who played Percy, the guard we hate, the funny, it's not funny, but he eventually, um, when he was 51 years old in 2011, got widespread criticism when he married a 16-year-old singer. Oof named Courtney Stodden. She was like an aspiring actress and she, he t she took like a, a class that he was teaching and he started getting interested and he didn't know she was 16 and then parents said it was okay and she said it was okay. Anyway, pretty weird, but it kind of, it's almost like, you know, you the would- The parents said it was okay though, Brian. I know. It's fine. But wouldn't you expect that this guy who we hate in the movie is, is such a problematic guy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Delacroix's botched execution scene was based on a real life botched execution scene in 1990. Thought that was interesting. Uh, Tom Hanks was going to be Paul Edgecombe or he, he was Paul Edgecombe. He was going to be um, Andy Dufresne in Shawshank. Oh, okay. Right. And, but he turned it down so he could be Forrest Gump. John Coffey was, was possibly going to be Shaquille O'Neal. I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. John Travolta was also offered the role of Paul Edgecombe. Let me ask you, better movie with Shaq? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
better movie with Shaq. A little more low art, maybe a little more fun. It could have been more fun. Maybe Shazam. They wouldn't in that have had role. to do all those special effects <laughs> of him being so tall. That's true. Um, a couple non non Green Mile trivia points about Tom Hanks, just because we love Tom Hanks. He was asked to play the lead role of Jerry Maguire. Really? At one point, can you imagine him there? He was also considered for Peter Pan in Hook, which went to Robin Williams. Huh. That's kind of interesting, too. I can see the Hook one a little more than Jerry Maguire. The Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks energy, they're, nah, they're two different They're very, beasts. very different. Um, he was on the AFI poll, and he his top movie of all time was 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah. I can respect strong that. strong pick. Um, as of 2018, he was in nine Best Picture nominees. <sighs> Amazing. I wish I could get you to name all of them. I can't, but I will say that the other <laughs> night, my wife and I, I started thinking, how many Tom Hanks movies have, yeah. have I seen? I think this was after I watched The Green it's Mile. So I went movies. on IMDb and we start doing the game where it's like, have you seen this one? Have you seen that one? So I have seen 25, 25 Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks movies. movies. And I felt like that is the one actor I had to have seen the most movies from, right? But nay. Who? Tom Cruise. I did the same thing. 25 movies on the dot. Wow. A tie. It was amazing. That is interesting. Has nothing to do with Green Mile, but maybe the most interesting <laughs> thing we've talked about in this episode. Not true. <laughs> Not true. Green Mile was good. Um, all right. So in the next episode of Best Picture This, we will talk about The Cider House Rules, directed by Lassa Hallstrom and starring Tobey Maguire, Charlize Theron, and Michael Caine. It's a coming-of-age story about an orphan who grows up to be a doctor with a moral dilemma. Thanks to WNZF and Mark Gilliland for producing. We want to hear from you. Would you keep or kick this week's movie? Let us know on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Best Picture This. Also, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening to Best Picture This. And, oh, Mike... Give you a nickel for that moon pie. <laughs> <laughs>